You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 21, Reconnection, Washington, May 16th, 1884. Harry was drifting through her forest, expecting to find each tree where it had been before. But the landscape had been changed and more alarming metamorphosis occurred as she observed. The trees switched places, day flickered to night and back again. Dark shapes moved through the branches, eyes watched her, voices whispered terrible thoughts. There was no safety here anymore. With a horrendous lurching sensation of falling, Harry realized that her world was now irretrievably polluted and she had nowhere left to think. She felt a softness at the back of her head. Hands were on her face, and as she looked up, two deeply concerned green eyes were looking down. Her stomach ached sharply, and she felt down to find bandages binding her midriff. There was a familiar humming and echo to this place, and Steelborn and Spearhead dominated the periphery. It was unmistakably the hangar. She had been laid on a bench in the corner and Penny was cradling her head in her lap. Neither of them said a word. If they didn't break the silence, then the grim realities would not burst their way through with the inevitability of their import. It was a short breath before the plunge. Truth's head hove into view. Her eyes were bloodshot and her face was a steel trap of tension. How long? Half a day. It's evening now. Truth said. Are Mr. Riley and Mr. McPherson still alive? Yes, that turned out to be the best response possible in a situation as phenomenally fucked as we are faced with. You made the right calls. I'm proud of you. The words were delivered with a hollowness. Harry knew they were genuine, but concern for her sister deepened. Uh, uh, did... Did he get away? He hasn't been found. Yet. yet. That last word was the ring of an ominous bell. Truth? Did you know? I... Suspected. I couldn't be sure until today. Harry lay with this thought, deeply unsettled and uncertain as to how closely it matched her own. Over to the right, Catherine Holloway was talking quietly with Tesla. She turned her attention to Harry and moved across the floor past the damaged Shadow Tiger armor, which had been suspended upright with chains. The NIA is still operational, she announced. After today's incident, I spoke with McPherson, and he agrees that a transitional period is the sensible option. So, he will be forming a new secret service that will protect Washington as well as the affairs of the White House. I understand why he would want to call trusted people to himself for this. But unlike our department, effective immediately, White's Homeland Protection Agency has been officially disavowed. She let that hang for a moment. What does that mean? 
shut down. It means it has been delisted, defunded, and will be dismantled the moment we are able to locate their base of operations and bring in the various unaccounted-for operatives. We didn't manage to take any of Silent Company alive. Truth admitted. The police shot every agent they caught. Almost as though they didn't want any of them to give us information. How long have we got? I mean, I mean with you in charge of the NIA as it is. I don't know. Could be months, could be days. My estimations on the transition suggest President McPherson is going to need at least until the end of the summer to have a fully functioning agency up and running. And I don't know if we'll be moved out of here at Langley, or if some of us will be allowed to stay on. It's all very up in the air right now. And Mr. White? His identity was made known to myself and Truth, and a unit of Stone Company that was moving in to assist you. Said Catherine carefully. We managed to guard you from the police and the crowd, and get you out of that suit and under medical attention. How many others know? Harry's hands were pressing lightly against her bandaged stomach. Catherine sighed. <sighs> the one advantage we have regarding White's identity is that the rumors are not new. People in this district have been speculating on it since this time last year. Some believe, considering our positions and when I turned up in the city, that I am Mr. White. He will be hunted down. Truth's voice was icy and jagged. And he will be killed. Harry tensed up and felt a wave of nausea. She found Penny's hand and they squeezed together tightly. I shall see to it personally. Mr. White must never stand trial. The legacy of this agency the movement, our parents' greatest hopes for the future is entirely contingent on this principle. Harry could not speak. She looked at Catherine, who nodded slowly. I am going to defer to the judgment of my deputy on this one. Harry returned to her forest. It was better to be in a place of wind and ghosts than here. Gabriella, Day 16 of Epona, Springfall, 1884 When she returned, she was back in her apartment in autumn, lying on her soft bed. Penny was sat up beside her on the sheets, her nose in a book. For one absurd moment, everything horrible plaguing Harry at this very minute melted away, and the feeling of this warm body lying close, simply coexisting and sharing a room, sharing a bed, filled her with satisfaction and calm. Huh. How long? Penny glanced at her watch. Five hours. It's midnight. My stomach's itchy. Are these different bandages? She ran her hands over her bare arms. And... And did someone give me a bath? 
I had a group of our military medics look at your wounds. When I saw what they were doing in your world, it was like looking back into our medical history by about 50 sons. They don't even have the means of cultivating the expedited regrowing of skin or scar tissue yet. So the stitches are gone already, and you should feel the soreness abating the next day or so. But doing that required your physical suspension in various cleansing and healing fluids. I hope you don't mind. Oh, oh, oh no, thank you. I'm all for your advanced medical tech. I, I kinda... never wanna go back there. Penny closed her book and laid a hand comfortingly on Harry's shoulder. A different energy now passed subtly between them that was not simply composed of comfort. Harry noticed first of all how good Penny smelled right now, and then realized how appealing she herself smelled. Her mind flicked back to that one kiss in the laboratory, all done in the name of scientific testing. Harry found herself smiling and leaned against Penny, suddenly breathless. What? Should I do? I've been aiming for this one day for so long, and now everything's changed. My entirely honest response to that, Penny chose her words delicately, is I want whatever keeps you safest. But I have to be safe on the inside. Or what's outside don't matter. The silence that followed was charged, and a dawning realization settled on the both of them. Harry turned around and looked up, her eyes wide open. Penny did what felt entirely natural and descended into a kiss. They cradled one another's faces as they shifted their bodies to meet. The memory of that first tryst fiercely and passionately winding itself back into elegant knots around them, binding the pair closely together. The clinch became more urgent as outer clothes loosened and their hands roamed one another's bodies. Harry caught Penny's nipple between her teeth and held it lightly, and a shuddering sigh escaped from those green lips. <sighs> Harry let go and Penny looked back down. Are you sure? Yes. I am absolutely sure. If it is to be our only time, and no matter the consequences, I know I want this to happen. She descended between Harry's legs, and the act that began was intensified a thousandfold by the thought of who was performing it. Uh. Harry's back arched, and she shook, crying out and grasping at Penny's hair. Uh. They paused, breathing hard and Penny went to remove her spectacles as she usually did with Cal. Her hand hovered and then dropped back down to caress that precious inner thigh. <sighs> Penny had enjoyed the sight of Harry's face far too much and wanted to recall these moments later on, sharply and with detail and definition. She glanced down and smiled curiously. I have a question. Um, the Elaine was wrestling with the implications 
of what she was dying to ask, but decided it was best to prepare her partner here. Are all women in your world born with only one clitoris? Harry sat up and locked eyes with her. Wait, what? Penny smiled shyly and rolled over onto her back as Harry's fingers divested her pale body of its last layers of underwear. You're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, it seems like I was right. Penny giggled as Harry moved in hungrily. Their time together was bittersweet. They laughed at discoveries and slips as they found and explored one another's bodies. Harry used what she had learned about herself, and Tabitha, and Abigail, to its best effect. And again, for Penny, by virtue of who she was with, every movement, every pleasure, was supercharged. The Elaine had been quietly fantasizing about exactly this since the day they met. Her administrations to Harry's body came from a deep familiarity with the female form. She marveled at how each climax was slightly different. Some more urgent and lusted after. Some surprising and yanking forth a relieved, almost hysterical laughter. Best of all were the ones where each caress, every motion and moment of contact, every pull away and readjustment, felt like footfalls on a journey. The culmination was not the goal. It was simply another marker in the road. This felt the most to Penny like memories of making love to herself, and the sweet satisfaction that abided in the glow of her skin as she lay afterwards her mind adrift and at peace. Experiencing this with Harry felt absolutely right. They were logical and emotional extensions of one another. And when they had finished, as they must, the pair of them lay tangled together, beaded with sweat, and holding the moment between them, afraid to let go, but no longer filled with anxiety. It had happened. That much had at least been accomplished. And while it could never have lived up to expectation in both of their endlessly inventive minds, somehow the intensity and the resounding click of true connection gave a form and a reality to their capricious desires. They were left with both a sad resignation and a memory of being cherished. Harry did not sleep, but Penny, a great weight off her shoulders, surrendered to it. They lay together like that with the soft, shallow breath of the Elaine blowing sweetly across Harry's breast. In the back of her mind, the engineer entertained seductive, comforting notions that maybe Penny was dreaming second thoughts about her marriage, that maybe she, Harry, was better for her. These avaricious notions were beaten back. There was no way this could happen. When Penny awoke, she let out a deeply contented sigh. (sighs) 
before realizing the combination of events and people and body parts which had collided right in the center of her life. She glanced up at Harry, who smiled wistfully. Hi. Hi yourself. There was such an absence of resentment in their voices, both aware of the last sands of their time together trickling away. I've been thinking. What about? I was ruminating on all the children without hands. The ones without feet. All the grown-ups. And especially, I was thinking about the ones that can't afford the treatment and equipment. The ones you feel the most compassion for. Yes. I'm mulling over everyone's suffering right now. That you can help. Yes. If a single one of them has to go without that. Because you chose to walk away from your life. And be with me. Harry let the words sit for a moment. So that they might both examine them like a fragile museum piece. What I mean is... I don't want to keep you for myself if they have to live badly because of it. Because every movement away from my sickbed was a greater freedom to me. A wheelchair being led into autumn. Meeting you and the legs you gave me. The even better ones we made together. My armor. My life back. And just... Just knowing you. And knowing this wonderful world. Penny tensed up inside. It's not so wonderful. We may be doing better than your kind, but there's inequality everywhere. Cruelty, forced control, unfairness and manipulation, painful class divides, a massive gender disparity. I mean, far too many of the men in our world are barely living any better than the women of yours were. And a spreading degenerative disease which has us paralyzed with fear. We need to change, but it's happening too slowly. But... but you help that change. You're one of the best people I know. And everything you throw yourself into is about making lives better for those who need it. I'd be a terrible person to keep you for myself. I want you to be happy more than I want me to be happy and and I think that's a good way of saying I love you Cal always says I love you too and it feels like a knee jerk response as though I've made my declaration so she obligingly has to make hers and she expects the same the other way around it's like aggressively sending each other winterfall solstice cards. And I've only just realized how much I hate it. So even though I only get to do so this one time, I want to say I love you. 
but I'm not going to say two. Harry Arlington, I love you. At these words, spoken slowly and somberly, Penny began to cry. <laughs> and I wish things were different. That things weren't so complicated and interwoven. They held one another close. A very smart lady used to tell me life is messy. And we should expect to fall. And that it's the part of us can't accept that makes us frustrated. That is smart. I just didn't ever expect to fall so hard. You've... You've done your work. You brought mobility back to me. Momentum, inspiration, and a love of life. And you will never know what profound effect you've had on me. But I promise you, I will be grateful forever. Penny nodded and said softly, I'm so glad I could help you. And hold you. Even if that second part was only for a short while. It was with these final words of resignation that Harry knew she had done the right thing and that this was over. You have been listening to episode 21 of Stone Spring Maidens, Reconnection, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw, Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor, Penthesily Renwick and Truth Arlington, performed by Theo Lee, Catherine Holloway, performed by Maya Souris, previously Maya Santandrea, congratulations Maya, and narration by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes, including Spire Amaranth, Arcane Clockworks, Orbital Platform, Mushroom Forest, Lush World, The Orrery, and Submerged by Tabletop Audio. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest... Panther Soul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. If you can't support us on Patreon, but would like to contribute to this show, then a review on iTunes, or of one of the books on Amazon, would absolutely help us move forward. It takes five minutes, and it means the world. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our top-tier sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, 
Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finn Barnicol, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, and Valencia Burns.